everyone out there. Welcome to the Addicted Fishing Podcast. We're back in another week and we're still remaining consistent with it, Cameron. We're doing it. Like I said, no numbers, of course, as always, but uh, you know, we're definitely, uh, we're, we're staying true to form and actually putting these things out. And as long as Clint over there, Mr. Producer Clint, is editing them on time, there shouldn't be any like, We've you know, doing... four week gaps. No, it, it hasn't been anything bigger in two weeks, so it's been good. Good. And good it's usually, job, you guys. It's usually weekly, so, so yeah, Jordan's good job, back in Clint. here with us. <clears throat> and we have someone else in here. You want to introduce yourself, man? Yeah, my name is Charles Lowe's, and uh, I'm here to talk about catching tuna from a rowboat and uh, teaching you guys how to trans- transition from the ocean or from the river to the ocean. From the river to the ocean, yeah. There you go. Yeah, so he, all you guys out there watching, if you're on YouTube, thanks so much for tuning into these podcasts. We appreciate you guys watching them on YouTube. Do not forget, tap that little subscribe button. We're putting out videos almost every single day, so turn on that bell notification and stay with us on this awesome journey that we're on. And uh, yeah, so you shot me an email and you said, hey, I got a couple cool podcast topics I think you guys would enjoy, your viewers would enjoy. Right. And so I hit him up and so let's just freaking jump right into it, I think, because I, I want to talk about the most about this rowboat thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys are out there watching, he decided he was going to take a rowboat and he was going to row out into the ocean and catch a tuna. Correct. So talk about that a little bit. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. Everyone just went, what? <laughs> exactly. So why? What you know? What was the idea? Just kind of roll through the story. You know, it started over beer like a lot of good ideas do. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. I would have you know, thought it'd be no other way. <laughs> yeah, so I, are you familiar with the Fisher Poets Gathering in Astoria? I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, okay. So I'm up there with my buddies at the Wet Dog Cafe, and we're listening to the commercial fishermen do their thing, their sea stories and all that. And, and I had this idea that just hatched in my mind, and my buddies are sitting around, and I just kind of floated it. And they said, heck yeah, you got to do that. you got to do that. you got to row for tuna. you got to do that now. You're not getting any younger. Just do it. So that was kind of the genesis of the thing. Um, took a couple years to get it going because there was a lot of training involved and whatnot. But, you know, basically what I did is uh, about seven weeks ago, got in my little 14-foot rowboat, which weighs all of 90 pounds, uh, pushed off through the surf of Pacific City, um, was hoping to get tuna at 12 miles. Didn't work that way. They were at 20 miles. So I rowed 20 miles out, um, caught four tuna, 45 pounds of tuna in a 90-pound boat. Um, not enough daylight to row back, so I threw the boat on one of my escort boats, strapped it down, rowed back home. So that's kind of the the story. That's freaking insane. <laughs> so talk about what what, did it, what led up to it, like what the training, like what are you talking about training you had to do and stuff? You know, I built this little boat for Springers, and it's not your grandfather's rowboat, okay? I mean, it's computer designed. All the panels were cut by CNC. It's epoxy. Okuma plywood. It's fast. It's slippery. It just rose like a dream. Uh, I live three miles from Selwood, so you know what's not to like. Uh, didn't catch any springers in the darn thing for a couple of seasons. I'm, I'm a really mediocre river guy. Okay, I'm a good saltwater guy. But <laughs> You're better getting to and fro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, just rowing that thing around, it's like this idea wouldn't let me go because I, I started rowing 10 miles, 15 miles, 20 miles just for fun. And it was like this idea just pinging in my head. Could you row this thing out for tuna? How cool would that be? How crazy Now, had you fished for tuna before? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I've got, a bunch I'm, of a, I'm a PC dorryman, so I got a 22-foot okay. learned dory. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I've done a lot of tuna fishing. That's, I've done a lot of tuna fishing. So. Wonderful. Yeah, it's just an idea that kind of ch- chased me down. And then I went to the Wet Dog Cafe and floated it. And at, at that point, I probably logged 30-mile trips. 
and I knew I needed to be able to go 60. And so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I could, especially, you know, me and Cam run orders a lot throughout the year, and it's, yeah. it's, uh, immediately a challenge like that kind of perks my enthusiasm or my interest, you know, it's, can I do it? It's like running a big rapid. Sure, let's find out. You right. know, <laughs> you ran the biggest rapid of all. That's a poke. I mean, you asked me why did I do it? There's no logic to something like that. Yeah. It's just something that wells up inside you. you well, you know, so they were doing it 100, 200 years ago. People were doing that all the time. That's the way it was done, right? If they weren't sailing, they were rowing boats around like that. That's how they fished the Columbia River. Exactly. You know? That's freaking exactly. insane. So, was there any sort of records set? There has to be. Like, I mean, where would you go for that? I mean, no. The Guinness Book of World Records? No. I, I, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I would have to think that, I mean, comment below if you guys say to the contrary, but I don't know anyone that's done that. Have you heard of anyone I think, that's done I that? I honestly think, especially after the podcast and the live feed, you'll start a craze. That's like spark. Hey, I am all over that. Small little community of people who, like, see what they can catch. So now we're going to have to put the disclaimer so, in like here that if you don't know what you're doing, you don't, don't go out there and try to row for tuna. Well, that you know please. I mean, Jordan like already was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So I need one of you guys for a two-man boat. We can go twice as you know, faster and farther. So we could, you know. There you go. So uh, <laughs> See you, Jordan. <laughs> catch, catch me can we, we need a third guy in there, though. We need Sean in there. Yeah, okay. To get well, all we the can have a, we have I'll just follow you in my boat. All you drift boat guys. Yeah. So I don't want anybody to think that this was dangerous, all right? There was no way this is dangerous. It was an adventure. It was mm -hmm. fun, but it was yeah. not dangerous. I had two escort boats, very good friends in their 22-foot dories, had eyes on me the whole way. Um, I, I practiced with these guys in the Columbia River over the winter, practiced hauling my little boat onto their boat and strapping it down because if the weather goes bad, that was going to be the fix. Um, practice jumping in the water and, and climbing on their boats. Uh, so there was nothing, there was nobody at risk here. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just good fun. You were really prepared. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I like life. I don't want to go out there. And yeah. Die. That's just and that's one thing, you know, I don't really like going in the ocean. I'm not a huge fan <laughs> well, of it. Well, we can fix that. <laughs> but here, I do like going if I can go with someone that I feel knows what they're doing. Because to yeah. me, that's like everything. Like, there's just too many guys that go out there and they think like, oh, it's I'm going to just go in the ocean. And, you know, so that's where I've kind of been scared because I had some of those experiences where I got in these boats with these dudes that said they had been in the ocean and they didn't have much experience, you know. And you can, and then when you get in with a guy, you know, say Cam, for example, you get in with a guy like that who does have experience, you can tell right out the gate. Like oh, yeah. you can just tell by everything they're doing, what they're talking about, what they're right. watching. And it's... I think that's a good transition to talk about what you do now, which is this ocean coach venture. Yeah, so I mean, your story is so typical. Guys, the, you know, they're they're fishing the rivers, they're looking to the ocean, they're seeing, you know, they're hearing about the lingcod and the million coho run and the mm. tuna and all that. <laughs> yeah. really, oh, I'm sorry. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the projection, right? Yeah. Was, okay. Um, and and what I do is I take a guy like that and uh, give them usually about six one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. It's not a class. It's not a seminar. It's not a webinar. It's I sit down with you and we talk for an hour. And I figure out what's your background? What do you know and what do you not know about boats on the ocean? What are your goals? What do you want to do? Do you want to just fish bottom? 
Who do you want to take with you? Who's worried about you when you're out fishing? You got a wife or somebody that's worried about you? What we, what we can do for them? So, and then I'll create a curriculum and we'll just go through it. Um, you know, you know, my guys become masters of the tide table. I have them go through a whole year of tide charts and pick out the biggest span and the lowest span and calculate how fast that water is moving. Uh, if there's a big full moon out, I'll call them up and say, go look at the moon. Then go look at your tide table and tell me what you learned. So, you know, it's really, it's really bottoms up. Um, crossing the bar is probably the biggest thing that people are worried about. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what we go through in quite a bit of detail. It's funny because, like, you know, with people wanting to venture out there, you always get the guys that have gone out there and dabbled in a little bit, and then there's going to be that one time they're going to get scared because yep. they're going to miss, they're going to miscalculate, or they're going to maybe go with one of these guides or charter operations that are used to fish in rougher water, or maybe it's a little too rough that day. And like I said, there's always that. It seems like when every angler that's that's gone to the ocean, there's always that. Get them scared moment and get them set them straight. Like show them that you know you're not invincible out there. You're yep. not. You're not. Uh, you, you know you it is susceptible to a you know pucker factor. And like I said, and I almost think that that's like the, literally the best situation because in some in some instances these newer anglers will like just charge out there, charge out there, charge out there, and then you know they get like a little bit too like complacent or a little like too mm -hmm. comfortable. And then they go out there on the wrong day, and that you know two foot ground swell on the bar turns into <laughs> you know an eight foot steep head chop you know, while they're and, on it. And and just I had a client just like that, father son team. They bought a boat, their first boat ever. Went out on the ocean a few times and scared themselves. Mm -hmm. They got in some some bad stuff, so they came to me, and it took me a long time to convince them that if they ever f face a rough bar, they've made a mistake. Shouldn't happen. I do. I should not happen. Completely agree with that. And after um, six sessions, they they went out. They caught fish. They were just animals all summer long. They just went out and had a ball. So it was a total transformation from, oops, I'm scared to okay, I can do this. I can build up the. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's just such a set of variables because you know some bars you know with big tide swings and whatnot like, you know it's. You understand that the bar is okay. There's there's the capability or there's a there's the chance that it could be rough, but it depends on your power of the ocean, depends on your wind direction as well too. Mm -hmm. it depends on um, depends on your tide exchange, but it depends on like what's going on out there. It's just like I, I always say that everything out there is just kind of amplified on the bar, and it's amplified by tide and wind direction too. Obviously, you know if you get those rare situations, we get east winds and whatnot. But there's just like this just giant set of variables and just because the ocean one day someone looked at the forecast and went oh it's you know two foot and three foots you know and they yep. go out and then they go out again on a two foot and three foot well then they go out a two foot three foot but let's just say you got a little bit of a northwest and they you know an ebb tide at 11 o'clock in the morning and when they want to come back and it just all of a sudden that two and three foot ain't two and three foot anymore and uh, like i said it gets people a little bit Gets pe catches people off guard. And as much as I want to say, like, you know, we always kind of preach within addicts is, is, you know, time on the water, time on the water gets you that experience, time on the water gets you to know that. But there could be like the one time when you're messing with the ocean that that, <laughs> that it's going to, it's going to get you. And it's it gets people get every year. It does. It does. And, and so, yeah, the interaction of tide, swell, swell direction, swell period, wind direction, 
title span. How do you put that all together? And and there is a way to put it together. It just takes a little time. And actually, uh, toward the end of the sessions, last couple of sessions, I developed a, a, a dice game where I've got like a D12 and a D16. I'll roll you a swell height and I'll roll <laughs> you a, a per period and I'll roll you a wind direction and a wind speed and you tell me whether it's go, no go. And we'll just do that again and again and again and again and talk through that. And that's that kind of cements everything for these guys. Yeah, I mean, and even like having like, like you said, some of these bigger swells like that are maybe happening in the morning, but if your tide's gonna change and, and anticipating an afternoon wind and, and understanding that, okay, well, if I go out a little later in the day and I don't wanna have to ever have to fight darkness, you know, and just yeah. those situations too. It's like, so it's not just, it's not just when and if bad bars and when and if bad oceans will occur but it's like when like during the day and like when you're going to start your outings and like you said there's just so many variables to it but it's which is why i honestly think like within fishing addicts and stuff we get that question i swear when we start posting june ocean stuff yeah. oh my gosh it's just yeah. it's just incessant how many people are what is is you know it was this a good day to cross the bar and usually what will happen there if I know the guy and it's like okay You know first off you always try to tell people like the buddy boat situation and make sure that the buddy boat like you Like you said is somebody who actually know like you said Marlon like somebody actually knows What he's doing and you've got to be indoctrined into this stuff or you've got to be trained up or else. Yeah, it's gonna get you Yeah, 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 I notice even some of the some of the more profound guides on the Columbia River I noticed, especially this year, when getting to go with you a few times, aren't out there. Uh, there's a lot of guides in the Northwest that you can tell aren't comfortable with it, even. It's a very small, select group of people that are out trolling circles out there. You know, that's what I noticed every time I went with you was, you know, it's something that even some of the most skilled boat runners and, and anglers still don't go do so you know yeah i mean it's you know your equipment you know is important and these these guys that think you know you're going to go out there and you know just beat anything out there in the ocean in a 35 footer and stuff like that and it's like well you know you got to understand the capabilities of your boat but i always say i always kind of draw the line it's like well just because you have a big boat doesn't mean it's going to be fun oh, <laughs> you know what i mean you're and so, yeah you're speaking my language yeah. because whether it's a 19 footer or right. a 26 footer once the wind reaches 12 knots 12 15 knots nobody's having fun right i don't care how big the boat so, is so i mean if i'm going to go out with somebody i need to know i i want to know the skipper mm -hmm. i want to know is his boat well maintained is it not overloaded that's what I care about. I don't care if it's a Hughes or a North River or aluminum yeah. or glass, whatever, you know. You know, the other thing is, the other question we see is, I have a 21-foot insert boat yeah. style here. Can I go across the bar? And it's like, right. that is the most that, asked that is question the most, there is. And it's like, yes, you can. It's like, should I on marry this woman? 30% of the days, <laughs> you probably can. And on those 30% of the days, there's six and seven-hour windows that you probably should yeah. and probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, just, I have a, a checklist, and the checklist is your hand. And these are the five things you got to consider before you go fishing on the ocean. The first is the bar crossing outbound in the morning. The second is the bar crossing inbound eight hours later. Everything's going to be different, the wind, the swell, the tide. Mm -hmm. Two different things. Yep. The next thing is the sea conditions outside, wind and swell. The next two are a little harder to guess. You got Anybody got some guesses? Camera? I'd have to say, you didn't say anything like with the ex exchange rates. I was going to say height. Like, okay. That's kind of big. I mean, I, I would say, I would say, I would say, 
weather changes like ah. just as i mean i mean because there's days like i always look for trending weather absolutely you know trending weather that you know these guys that like to go window hunting out there oh the sucker window yeah yeah, the sucker. <laughs> oh yeah that, that forecast looked good for like six hours in the morning i think we could sneak out and get it <laughs> oh you're getting ready to get your butt to. but that's so that's so that's four so that's and, four and that, that looking so at number the trend, five looking at the trend is really really important yeah. because that swell might arrive three hours earlier than forecast, oh. or it's a forecast. Right. Ask about the million fish thing. You right. want to discuss forecasts <laughs> and, and how and how forecasts. Uh, ask about any forecast that DFW <laughs> has put out in the last like two years. Well, and we have red blood in our veins, right? Yeah. The fishing's good. Oh yeah. You were going to be back by five, but no, it's so good. You're going to stay out later, and now you're okay. So you. And, got that, that. and that probably brings it number five, and it's probably what do you do in an emergency or a motor breakdown? Exactly. Exactly. So the last one is fog. Nobody ever thinks of that. Oh, fog. Okay, right? So, so I guess it would be six, though. Motor breaking. Now, like, how far do you have to come in on your kicker if you lose your mains? Yeah. Of course, you got the Coast Guard for that, but... Yeah. Don't rely on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, those <laughs> are the five like, things. Yeah. Bar in, bar out. Sea conditions outside. Weather trend. I'm glad mm -hmm. you flagged that in the fog. And if you if you look at all those five, you, you won't miss anything. Yeah. Forecast may change. You may have a bad judgment or whatever, but... Yeah, no. So it's a handy checklist. No, those those yeah, those trends, man. I tell you what. Oh yeah, because like I said, you can you can see you know for the guys that have aren't familiar with the ocean forecasts, and you'll see like the you know ten to sixty nautical mile out things. And they'll call for those. You know, oh yeah, it's gonna be you know two and two, and but then that afternoon it'll go to you know three and four and. Three and four starts getting pretty sloppy if it's at six and seven seconds, and if you're out there far. And Send these guys my way. It's crazy. Uh, Theoceancoach.com. It's really easy. Yeah, the so what? Ocean coach? Theoceancoach.com. Yeah. So typically, how many sessions does a person need to where you feel like they're they're ready to? Okay, so most guys want to know it's about 80% safety in getting across the bar, but they also want to know something about coefficient or... Mm -hmm. Lincoln or whatever. So with an 80-20 split like that, usually six sessions. Sometimes I get a, a captain who uh, has been fishing inshore, but they want to do the tuna thing. Um, I can usually do that in three or four sessions. I had one, one client who uh, just bought a house, in, a beach house in Cannon Beach. He wanted to find some kind of ve vessel so he could surf launch and go out and catch rockfish in Lincoln. Well, that was a little more involved because is, is it a jet ski? Is it a kayak? Is it a dory? You know, how do you want to do this thing? So it, it varies. It's, it's very individual. Cool. And what does it typically cost? Because uh, that's going to be the first thing that any one of these guys will you be know, listening asks. And it's 600 bucks, no, 900 bucks for six sessions. 900 bucks for six sessions. Yep. And that includes six one on one sessions face to face. That includes unlimited text, email, and phone support. And that, that includes uh, a lot of homework. <laughs> these guys are going to have to work for it. So. The way I look at it, if you got sixty thousand bucks into a boat, you know, oh yeah, pay I mean, me a thousand so that you can actually enjoy your season, jumpstart your season. You know, it, you get two or three years worth of knowledge. Get yeah. Out there. Is there anyone doing that for like? Where's the river coach? It's a good question. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like within my guide business, like I get a, I mean, shoot, I would say a. I wouldn't say it's probably more than twenty to twenty-five percent of the guys that go out with me on the ocean, but they're they're going to learn. Like they're going out there to experience it to see if it's 
something that they can get into, something that, shoot, some of these guys, I, mean, I take a lot of guys every year that have never been out there before. Yeah. You know, and they, then you know, they fall they, in love. They fall, they go out there right? and they get an 80 coho bite and then they're in. But right. obviously when you're, you know, even within the act of guiding, like, you know, we could talk about it while we're out there fishing and you could talk about it, but I could see the value in sitting down there with the workbooks and sitting down there with the tie tables, actually yep. sitting the guy down, you know, over coffee and being like, you know, and working through those, through those processes exactly. because it's real easy to go out there. Cause I mean, obviously if it's a day and don't get me wrong, like I don't fish the, I mean, I'll still fish, you know, a little more challenging day if you have the right clients in the right crowd and you know the right condition still the yeah. right conditions but for the most part 80 percent of those days are like the days where you go out there and you take these people out there and it just it's just cake you know we crossed the bar at the right time right we went the right direction like we knew we, we were either anticipating a northwest wind or a south wind and we, we definitely made the judgment call on where to fish based on what those winds could develop while we're out there right you know and then they came back and they caught a bunch of fish and it's like oh this this is easy. This is easy. <laughs> and then they go out in their boat and get scared. <laughs> well, you know, I have a strict confidentiality clause in my agreement, and it, it works two ways. One, I don't want my clients taking all the stuff I've done, all the graphs and charts and everything, and just giving them away. But more importantly, I don't disclose my coaching relationship with anybody. And that's because if a guide or somebody mm -hmm. wants to learn this on the down low, I'll do that. And they'll, they'll never hear it from me. So I'd be happy to, you know, coach some guides and get them up to speed. Yeah, you wouldn't put you wouldn't put them out there on black because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's it's fishing. It fishing is for the most part a weenie wagon sport. I mean, just like macho man oh, sport. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right, what I mean. Right, so right, right. so why would some but guy want to get no, advice no. from you? This is this is a yeah. pristine secret. There's yeah. no, no question. Interesting. About well, that. dude, that's that's what we do as anglers is learn and keep trying to learn and learn and learn. Yeah, so I can it. understand exactly. Like, no, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. super important. I mean, yeah. for, yeah. for some. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the other thing is the guide sled is not a great ocean boat. I mean, you got that cutout transom that scares me to death. But I, I have had clients with sleds and I just say, look, you're going to get out there some days, but we're going to talk about some pretty severe li limitations on your particular boat design that the other boat designs don't have. And, and guys are okay with that. You run a sled right, Cam? Yeah. And what he's referring to is like just the difference between like the way they only can mount outboard motors on the back transoms. Most of most designs leader, if they even have higher sides, they still have a cut down transom right. where then you start getting into something like where you have offshore bracketed boats that mm -hmm. can have the higher transoms. I mean, and they, they come with their own, you know, they come, they come with their own set of challenges as well but they definitely seem to be a little more like watertight just from transom height mm -hmm. yeah so because if you chop the throttle in the following sea you're going to get you could get green water coming aboard yep. on the sled you know yep. there was a couple times to get some splashy get some splashiness going because you're fishing or tight rip line out there and stuff yeah. like that but it's not but like you said you know you know your limitations boat you know what you could be getting yourself into exactly you know the trend you know like but yeah. it's fun out there, huh? Oh, it is. Right? No, I bought I bought the I bought the I bought it is the, I bought, insane. I bought, it's it's crazy. just chaos out yeah. there. It's <laughs> it's no, I mean and like I said, the the sled, I mean, you know, so I ran I ran a two to reseller boat for a long for a lot of time at a, for a long time back in college out of Garibaldi. But then you know, I had a twenty five foot super V for like the last seven, eight years. I yeah. actually just kind of stepped it up to something that can go a little more if I just stepped up to a Columbia. And yeah, it's not the quintessential ocean boat, but it's also not a boat that you can't take out the ocean and then slam a jet on and go through four inches of water, you know, out in 
in in the rivers as well. Yeah, yeah. I kind of so, draw the line at jets in the ocean, though. I'm not, yeah, no, no. We switch to props to the yeah, ocean. Yeah, you not, want that? Not, no, there's no question. It. No, I would never take the jet out there. But, but uh, I'll tell you one thing that I find is so much fun. I caught a lot of fish, you know. Okay, but in my life but if I'm out there fishing and one of my clients is fishing on his boat and he's five miles away and we're on the phone or we're on the radio and he's killing him I that is so much more fun than me putting fish on the boat I mean that's just the best you know getting somebody into fish and oh for getting sure. them excited I mean it's the same with the guide thing right you yeah I was just gonna say I like people it's, excited well, the thing about the guide thing is if your clients are out there getting them just like you were it usually is a little more bittersweet than <laughs> oh no! I, oh, really? oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, like, How did like, the other oh, boat get him versus next you? Favorite hole, just killing them. <laughs> no, my clients are no, but for you, it's how rewarding. Yeah. They're yes. heroes. They're teacher. They're all heroes, and they work so hard on their homework because they're paying for it, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the deal. I want your commitment on this because you're going to be studying, and uh, I just want them for six weeks, and then they're off and running, living their life, and having the adventures. That's freaking sweet. That's really sweet. So when are you going out for tuna again? It's November, man. I was going to say, uh, mid-July <laughs> well, mid next year? I well, okay, I'll give you an answer. Do you plan on doing the rowboat thing again, or was that kind of a one-and-done kind of thing? <sighs> I don't know. I was only seven weeks ago. I, I don't know. I don't know. Are you guys right going to join me? We'll go do a, yeah, a tuna. Jordan's already well. thinking about it. Look at him. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Could it's you like imagine the, that addicted life? That's what I'm saying. That would be really good. <laughs> that, that but would it'd be even better if there was no support. And Sean us, could be equipped. Well, GPS. here's the thing. Sean and can like, be equipped with like 50 drone like, batteries you know, and just drone the whole thing. <laughs> well, GPS, okay, so my little rowboat has two handheld VHFs, mm -hmm. two GPS units. One is monitoring my body with a heart monitor, Bluetooth to the thing. It's got a fish finder. I've got a uh, PLB in my pocket. I got a compass. I mean, it's it's got more electronics than you know most boats had 20 years ago, mm -hmm. and all the stuff is so cheap now. It's just totally yeah. easy to deck them out. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I think you could do it. Right. Here's an opportunity. Somebody do it on a kayak. Where's the Tupperware fleet? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that. Well, that would almost be. Oh. It'd be a lot faster. Obviously. You'd probably move t twice the speed at least. I don't think so. With the sea kayak? I do three and a half miles an hour. Mm. Hmm. Or stand up paddleboard if you really want to get caught. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you catch him though, real quick? So, I mean, did you go out there throw iron at him or live traps? Or did you just, just try to troll him? Or? Uh, just trolling swim just baits. Troll. Okay. But trolling two swim baits slows me down a half mile an hour just mm. to drag. No kidding. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, well, cast an iron at a jumper or something. Oh, I had iron. Yeah. You know, and after I landed a fish, I, I threw it around a little bit. But right. Know, it was a it was kind of a, a slow pick day. Sure. So seven hours rowing out and then three hours rowing around to catch four fish. So. Your arms had to just be jello. They're not though. They weren't at no. all. No. No. Um, it, it really took a while to develop the long-range rowing technique. It was pain management. And what I mean by that is my underarms would chafe mm -hmm. until I figured out that you get a compression shirt from, you know, from Under Armour, solve that. I'd get blisters. I went through 10 different kinds of gloves before I settled on these deerskin uh, driving gloves. And then the worst is butt pain. Oh, my God. It's just, I've tried 10 different cushions, 15 different cushions. And finally get that dialed in. But once you get that dialed in, 
the aerobic effort, if you stay below your aerobic max, it's not that bad. Just a slow, slow burn. Yep. I managed to a heart rate of about 120, and you really can do it all day. But you got to train, okay? I spent oh, a lot yeah, of time no, of on. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, my my longest training row was Scat Poost, Oregon City, and back. That's 62 miles. So. <laughs> oh, damn! <laughs> Unbelievable. And part yeah. of that's in the dark, so. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Well, I think we need to challenge Jordan right now. Addicts. Why is Jordan Comment below. If, because he's, he's, Mr. he's rower incarnate. <laughs> yeah, like he yeah. is Mr. Oh, rower. Let me see your hands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. See that right there? Yeah. <laughs> that's a scar though, right? Yeah. Okay. That's that a hook? No. Fence. Oh, okay. <laughs> need a better story. Bar yeah, fight. Yeah. Exactly. Bar fight. <laughs> Bar yeah. fight. I was running from the cops. You know? Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. You doing? What are you doing the next couple weeks? Are you going to be fishing? You gonna be... I'll be fishing. That's right. Just playing around. Playing around. Waiting for rain. We're supposed to get that rain this week. Oh, of course, this is... The, oh, I always do that. We're not live feeding. We're podcasting. So by the time you guys read this... Hopefully, there's a ton of rain that has fallen and the rivers have reopened because and there was a big closure. Every guy in the Northwest is not so crabby. Yeah, right. Yeah, that too. That's or if you want to fish the ocean, the ocean coach, coach got, can't even say it, the ocean coach. The ocean coach. The ocean okay, coach. Okay, I want to make sure got that. Look me yeah. up and we'll get you out on the ocean, which is open all year. That's right. And man, seeing like Mikey and some of these guys posting. I know, Grant, Relax, Grant Relax. Oh my man. gosh, these guys are getting them right now. They're just having a ball. Oh, Crabs too. Lincoln, yeah. That's yeah. Great. Awesome, man. Yeah, Lincoln and Crab. Alrighty, well, cool. Yep, guys, make sure you guys check it out, theoceancoach.com. We're also going to have them on our live feed right now, so make sure you guys go back. If you didn't know, these people can go back and watch our live feeds if you want, especially on YouTube. We post them on YouTube every single Wednesday, so they are posted after the fact if you guys want to go back and watch any of the live feeds that you may have missed. Thanks so much for tuning in. What? So don't forget to subscribe. And don't forget to subscribe. Good job, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys on the river. Thank you, guys.